This program is part of the Cosmic Potato Podcast Network. For more shows like this, visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Accessing Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk Podcast. Dropping the beat. Downloading Sean. My name is Sean Ray, and I don't know why people hate Nickelback. If you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? Downloading John. The, like, the one benefit to uh, getting fat is that I don't have to iron my clothes as much. Smoke and mirrors, guys. Welcome to the movie factory. Downloading Rick. Did you know that elephants are made entirely out of Rocky Road ice cream? Who's scruffy looking? Accessing guest files. NCC1701. No bloody A. Joni loves Shachi is the epitome. You beat me to it, you bastard. B. Uh, I wasn't listening, sorry. Oh, good boy. <laughs> C. I've never felt more like a northerner than I do right now. <laughs> or D. If you're wondering how this is going to play out, just watch A Bug's Life. It's basically the same plot. Opening theme and inputting narration. Welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. We've got you covered with everything from Marvel to Star Wars. I'm glad you asked that because I wanted to take this time to explain my evil plan. Classic films, trivia games, and beyond. He's looking at you, kid. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and SoundCloud. You filthy criminals. Contact us on Facebook and Twitter, or send us a voicemail or text message to 205-642-8380. Captain, incoming message. And you can always visit our website at CosmicPotato.com. Come to the coast, we get together, have a few laughs. Now, on with the show. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Cosmic Potato, the super fan talk podcast, a show that knows that when C-3PO said, thank the maker, he was actually thanking Darth Vader for all of his good fortune. My, <laughs> my name is Sean Ray, and sitting across the virtual table from me is a guy that needs no introduction, but I'll give him one anyway, Mr. John Irons. How are you, sir? That's probably a good call. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. <laughs> And joining us this week is a new voice on the show, so let me welcome Virginia. How are you? I am fine. Uh, Virginia is going <laughs> to be uh, joining us later this year as a regular host on the Simply on Simply Syndicated's Discovery After Show. It's been so long since we did that show that I <laughs> forgot how to say yes. the name of it. But, uh, so we found out uh, something about ourselves, I guess, as we were doing the show, is that we don't have enough girls to, <laughs> on our Star Trek show, so we couldn't get uh, a, a female perspective most weeks. Allison was on once, but she's in the UK, and it's like 2 o'clock in the morning when we record for her. So, uh, so Rick knew you from uh, uh -huh. a, po a podcast adventure before and invited yes. you to, to be on the show, right? Yes. I had told him when I watched... I actually had not had a chance to watch um, any Star Trek on TV until Discovery, 
And so I started watching it and and my boyfriend was laughing at me because I was basically jumping up and down in my seat, like bouncing up and down on the couch. So excited. There were so many women. There were so many different people. I'm like, this is the greatest Star Trek ever. So (laughs) when, um, when I asked Rick, like, you know, I I started listening to the show from the beginning. So I didn't know who all was going to be on it. And I asked him, you know, do you have any plans for female guests? And that's when he was like, oh, maybe you would be interested. Yeah. So I that's mean, how that all came about. <laughs> yeah, we did. I mean, we didn't purposely exclude women from the show. It was just that <laughs> there is. I mean, we've got. Maybe we, you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we've got a. We've got a few that um that come on this show every now and then. But like Hi Chan and Chrissy, they're both Star Trek fans, but they weren't watching the show week to week. So that's one of the prerequisites. You have to watch the show every right. week. And then uh and then uh, uh Anya. I invited her on, but she had class like every time we were recording. So it just, it just never oh, worked out. that so, sucks. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but anyway, we'll come back, uh, we'll come back in the fall when they start season two and you'll be on and, and everything will be good. <laughs> yes. Well, what did Absolutely. you think? What did you think of discovery? I really liked, well, the last couple episodes were a little bit slow, but I really liked it overall, and I think a lot of it was that I didn't know what was going to happen, and it was very, like, new and exciting. When I watch The Next Generation, I know every episode, practically every line and plot and everything. So watching something I had never seen before is, like, for me, it's the best part of Star Trek. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. Uh, we have a topic that we're going to do tonight. We're going to do another um, best in show type episode. Uh, we'll get into that in a few mm-hmm. minutes. I have a couple of things that I wanted to mention before we move into that. Uh, one is I want to do a kind of a movie review, but it's going to be a spoiler free movie review. There's a little movie that not a, bit, a lot of people have heard of that came out last week called Ready Player One. John, have you seen this? Uh, we're gonna Virginia you haven't seen it right I have not seen it no have you read the book I have not read the book either I I had I have no idea what it's about okay (laughs) well I'll tell you it's uh it's well no I I can give her the plot I mean come on (laughs) no I mean you can but how much more glorious would it be she was completely fresh. Well, I can't do a I can't do a movie review without telling her what the movie's about. Look, man, I don't make the rules. We're gonna uh, we'll probably do in a couple of weeks when Rick comes back. We'll probably do a more spoiler filled review of the movie because it's just it's it's one of those kinds of movies that shows like this want to talk about, you know. But have you, so so have you not seen any commercials for it? Oh um, no, I I don't see a lot of commercials. I mostly watch like Netflix and Hulu and. I don't see a whole lot of commercials for anything. Okay. And I don't go to the movie. I'm kind of a boring person. I don't go to the <laughs> movies that often. So I'm kind of out of the loop, I guess. <laughs> well, the, this this movie was based on a book by Ernest Cline, um, who's written a couple of things. I don't know if you guys have ever seen the movie Fanboys that came out about 10, 12 years ago. He wrote the screenplay for that movie. Um but it's kind of a book that's really immersed in like 80s, mostly 80s culture. There's a little bit of 90s stuff in there, but it takes place in a dystopian type future. It's not, not so far in the future. Uh, 
is like what what John like maybe thirty years in the future or something like that. Uh, yeah, something like that. Thirty four yeah. years. Something yeah. Like that. And uh, they lit. The main character lives in a neighborhood that's basically a bunch of mobile homes stacked on top of each other. You know, they're, they're, the people around them are really poor people, and mm-hmm. the world is so bad that the only escape that they have is that there's this virtual reality game that everybody plays, and it's and it's it's really immersive, and and uh, you can be anyone that you want to be in the game and stuff like that. And the the basic gist of this movie is that. The guy that created the game put an Easter egg in the game. Um, oh, and, I think they you, showed the preview for this uh, before the Last Jedi. Yeah, they probably did. So they I, probably did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. They did. They did. This sounds familiar now. Yeah. So sorry, whoever sorry to finds interrupt. no, no, you fine. Whoever finds the Easter egg is going to win a bunch of money and that kind of stuff. But to to find the Easter egg, you have to find these three keys that are throughout the game by doing various challenges and. And stuff like that, and it's all there's a lot of '80s references. There's '80s movies characters that show up in the in the story, and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I like the movie, John. Did you like it? I liked it. I didn't love it. Yeah, <laughs> this is is it's weird because I was thinking back. The first time that we mentioned this movie on the show was episode one. <laughs> that's how that's how long it's been since they've been talking about making this movie. I think All originally right, yeah. it, was, it was supposed to come out in 2017 and got pushed back and pushed back. But they... Alright, so the spirit of the book, the spirit of the story was all there. I mean, it had, it had the same plot. It had the same story. Uh, they changed a lot of stuff. And most of the stuff that they changed was because of copyrights and things like that. Because, mm. and we talked about we talked about this when we were talking about it before. That there's a point in the movie, I mean, there's a point in the book where he kind of goes into the movie War Games, and yeah. mm. and in mm-hmm. but War Games was done by a different studio than than who did the movie, so they had to pick a different movie. I'm not going to tell you what movie they picked, but. Because it's it's uh, it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. <laughs> but um, even though I said I said on a previous episode that I didn't like that movie, but I like the I like this part of this part of this movie. That's confusing. I'm sorry. Anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, I didn't I didn't have a problem with any of that. Like I didn't like the things that they changed. For the most part, I was fine with, and I you know, and I didn't want them. So basically, you have to complete a challenge to get each key. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want them to do the challenges from the book because then I, you know, obviously I know it was coming. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine with the three challenges that they put in. Um, I'm fine with the changes in plot for the most part. You know, this person did that thing instead of that person. I'm fine with all of that. Um, you know, the <clears throat> the thing I didn't like about it. One of the things I didn't like about it, you know, I, I will always go back to if you're a comic book movie or, you know, something like that, uh, you need to be colorful. You need to be visually engaging. And it's freaking Spielberg. And yet it's, it's, it's Steven Spielberg directing a virtual reality world. Mm-hmm. And they still sucked all the color out of it. Well, there was a That's lot of color my, in it. There was a lot. There was a lot. There wasn't as much as there should have been. I I loved the the opening challenge, let's say, 
and I love the, you know, the big climax at the end. Yeah. Um, and yes, and the part that you're talking about from the movie, I thought that I liked that too. I, it's not like I, it's not like I didn't like the movie, but I felt like the things that I didn't like about it could have been easily corrected, which vexes me. Yeah, I mean, mm. the the the, the things and, that and they term, changed. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, oh just the other thing. Um, it is very much in the vein of like an 80s Spielberg movie in terms of. Uh, in a lot of ways in terms of the plot and the characters and looking at it now that's a good thing and a bad thing (laughs) (laughs) like like you know the nostalgia glasses only do so much and you're like okay well that's pretty simplistic actually (laughs) (laughs) okay well that actually doesn't make a lot of sense that they would do that instead of you know blah 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 um so I guess I kind of maybe I went in with the wrong mindset I, I want to say I don't want to say my expectations were too high I feel like my expectations were about what they should have been yeah <laughs> and it and it and it fell short of that but I wouldn't say I, w- I was about to say I wouldn't say don't go see it I would say that to some people like I, I wouldn't say it's a movie for everybody, um, but I, but I liked it on a scale of I guess one to five, I'd give it uh, two and a half golden keys. From one to five, you only gave it two and a half. Yeah. Huh. I, I went higher that's than a, that. That's a, <laughs> I mean, that's a that's like a C plus B minus. I I mean I enjoy I really enjoyed the movie uh, the the things that changed I expected to be changed um, because in the book the first challenge that he goes through is that he is sucked into an an old video game from way back before Atari it was uh, Dungeons of Daggerath and uh, if they had done that I mean that's gonna alienate ninety five percent of the audience. You know, because they don't know what they don't know that game. I barely remember that game, and I don't um, remember that game at all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, so obviously they changed that, and they changed it to basically. If you've seen the trailer, you know that there's a giant car race. That's the that turns into the first challenge, and you see the race is great. What's that? The race is great. I said yeah. the race is great. Yeah, yeah, and you see all. The, I mean, you see like the the DeLorean, and you see the A Team van, you see Bigfoot, and all that kind of stuff. And it, it was that was a great scene, and that was a good way to keep the the spirit of a a game type challenge like that, where you're looking for a key, you know, um, and not alienate your most of your audience with some throwback game that they're not even going to have ever heard of. You know, I went in knowing that they were going to change stuff, and but I also knew that Steven Spielberg was directing it, and I've seen probably ninety-eight percent of Steven Spielberg's movies, and there's never been any of them that I didn't like. There were some that I didn't like as much as others, so I knew that I knew going in that at the very worst it was going to be okay. <laughs> you know. And at the very best, it was going to be awesome. And where I fell was kind of maybe three fourths of the way to awesome, you know. <laughs> mm. And I really enjoyed the movie. I mean, I thought it was a good movie. 
And uh, I'll give it a three. I'll give it. A, I, you're you're right. You're right. I mean, I <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll crank that up to a three because I did really, you know, I guess the three main things that I was supposed to enjoy, I did enjoy. Yeah. And some of the filler stuff in between, um, just didn't just didn't cut it for me. But I, I, I'll I'll crank it up to a three. I will probably see. I hope. Hopefully, I will see it again in theaters because this is one of those movies. Especially if you grew up in the '80s, this is one of those movies that there's going to be so many uh, references to pop culture way off in the background that if you don't watch it 30 times, you're not going to catch everything. <laughs> see, that's why I'm not saying that again in the theater because I because <laughs> I, I know that I'm, I'll just I'll wait until it's in a format where I can pause. <laughs> and to scan the crowd, Disney and I didn't. I did not catch this when I actually saw the film. I uh, I heard another podcaster talking about it, but um, Disney wouldn't allow them to use any Star Wars characters. Now I knew that they made some Star Wars references, but as far as showing characters, they weren't supposed to show any of them. But they they did sneak one in. Can you guess which Star Wars character got snuck into the movie? Jar Jar. No. <laughs> it was it was Watto. <laughs> Remember Watto? He, he's in our opening credits. What do you think of some kind of Jedi or something? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and it just makes me sad because that means that there's a character playing the Oasis game that decided that he needed to be Otto or Watto. <laughs> you know, that's his avatar. Anyway. And we got he got tired of being mind controlled. I guess, yeah. Uh okay, so <laughs> Let's move on to something since we invited Virginia on the show. Let's move on to something that she'll want to talk about. <laughs> uh, I got a I got another story. I, we got uh, reboots are coming. Reboots are coming, and I've got three movies here that are getting mm-hmm. a reboot that I wanted to mention. Uh, the first one is Rambo. Rambo is getting a Bollywood remake. That sounds fantastic. What? It's going to star an actor by the name of Tiger Shroff, which, from what I understand, he's very big in India. He's an Indian actor and a martial arts expert. He's going to play a veteran from the Indian Armed Forces that comes home and finds that his home is at war, and he uses his skills to hide in the Himalayas. And if you've seen the, the, the poster, if you just Google Bollywood Rambo poster, uh, it is... It's awesome. It's an awesome poster. Uh, Sylvester Stallone has uh, put his support behind it. I don't. I don't know if they're gonna. Don't all Bollywood movies have like a choreographed dance number? <laughs> More than one, usually. I want to see the Rambo choreographed dance number. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Um, if they do that, I'll even deal with subtitles if I have to. The second reboot is White Man Can't Jump. No. <laughs> oh, my. It's going to be written by uh, Kenya Barris, who is the guy that created Blackish. Uh, oh. Have, what? I said, oh, that makes me feel better about it, but not much. <laughs> it hasn't started filming. There's no word as to who's going to be the star, but... Uh, Blake Griffin, who plays for the Los Angeles Clippers, is probably going to appear in the movie. I don't know if he's going to star in the movie. I think the original holds up well enough. Why why remake that movie? That's still a decent movie, right? I don't know. 
Yeah, it was decent. Yeah. yeah. And the last, uh, the last one on the list is Alien Nation. Uh, did you? I, now I know you probably you probably heard of the TV show. There was a TV show in the '90s called Alien Nation, but it was uh, some people don't know that it was actually based on a movie that came out in the late '80s. I think it had James hmm. Con- James Con in it, and uh, it was a TV show, movie TV show that dealt with uh, a lot of racism themes and, 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 and immigration and things like that because uh, the story was that there was a spaceship that landed in California that was full of these refugee aliens from a planet where they had been slaves and they were escaping and uh, California kind of accepted them as part of their population and they had to kind of integrate into society and get jobs and all that kind of stuff and it was an interesting show but however... Uh, the remake is being directed by Jeff Nichols, who directed Mud and Loving, and he said that Fox asked him to do a remake. He said no, but then he decided that he had a project that he was working on, and he thought Alienation would make a good title. So basically, this movie has nothing to do with the original movie. <laughs> He's just using the same title to cash in on the reboot craze. So that's not cool. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Don't do that. <laughs> that story didn't go where I, where I thought it was going to go. Me either. <laughs> yeah, because I saw, you know, I was searching for, for things to talk about, and I saw, hey, Alien Nation remake, and click on it, and, oh, the Alien Nation remake is not a remake. Oh, okay. It's just using the same <laughs> title. Okay. All right. Uh, best in show. So, this is something that we've started doing on a regular basis. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Sorry. Um, I just want to quickly give a shout out to the reboot reboot, the reboot of the reboot cartoon series, um, uh, from probably early nineties, late eighties, early nineties, um, where it was, it might've been the first, but it was definitely one of the first like computer generated, uh, Saturday morning cartoons. And it was all about, uh, this guy, Bob who was a guardian in the mainframe. And basically he had to battle like viruses and, you know, evil sprites and stuff. And Netflix just rebooted reboot. So it's like, uh, it's like half live action and half virtual, uh, like a CGI. And it's, it's definitely for kids, which is, nice so like my my six-year-old can watch it um and it's definitely for kids so i can tolerate it netflix has been doing a lot of that take take the old stuff and make it new again kind of thing yeah they've got a new um magic school bus yeah and lost in space is coming out next week i think and i'm looking forward to that they did full house um fuller house and I watched mm-hmm. it when it when it first came out, which was probably about two years ago. And the first thing that I thought when I saw it was like, did did Full House always suck this much, or <laughs> <laughs> or is this a new thing? <laughs> you want an honest answer? Yeah. <laughs> no, I know it always sucked, but I was a kid when I was watching it before. So <laughs> okay, you always knew you were about to learn something when the special music came on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it was all, that was one of those shows that they would uh, they would hand out flyers at the school to tell us to watch the very special episode that was coming up that week <laughs> because uh, DJ 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 was uh, Candace Cameron's uh, character, and that week she was going to skip a couple of meals, so they're going to oh, have a yeah. special episode about anorexia <laughs> or something like that, you know. So, um, all right, so best in show is something that we've been doing. Uh, for a, f- a few months now where we just take a, a trope or something that happens in a lot of movies and we talk about which movies and which TV shows did that one thing the best. And uh, we'll all contribute a few examples for each one of these. But the first one that I thought of was um, the damsel in distress trope. So if you're thinking of the damsel in distress, which movies or TV shows or, or books or comics or whatever, any kind of media, uh, which ones did the damsel in distress, uh, the right way or which ones kind of completely flipped it over and did it, you know, totally different than what you were expecting. So, um, Virginia, I'm going to throw it over to you and let you go first. Well, the first thing that immediately popped to my mind was the princess bride. Yeah. Because she gets kidnapped, of course. Spoiler alert. And, <laughs> um, um, but she's not, you know, she's not like the princess in the Super Mario Brothers where, you know, Bowser just carries her off to the next castle. She, like, gives as good as she gets, you know? Mm-hmm. She, like, tries, she jumps in the river with the eels or whatever, and she's, like, always trying to escape. So, for me, it's like she's a damsel in distress, but she's not, like, a helpless damsel in distress. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. It's a good one. Do we want to go, like, one one and go around the circle, or do we want to just give all of our uh, examples at one time? Um, let's go around. Okay. Well, you go next, then. That sounds good. <laughs> all right. Uh in the kind of in the similar vein, I, I picked uh, Fiona from Shrek. Oh, that's a good one too. Because it's the same kind of deal. Like she, <clears throat> not that she necessarily could have escaped whenever she wanted, but she maybe could have. But she was just she was just waiting, you know. She, yeah, <laughs> she, wasn't in, she wasn't in any hurry to to get away. Um, and you know, from the from the moment she was rescued, well, I mean, obviously, you know, the whole. Shrek story, you know, is is the unconventional fairy tale. Right. Where the, the monster's the good guy and the the knight is the bad guy and, and all that. And so um Fiona aside from you know being able to to uh kick ass kung fu style um is literally not the princess that you would expect which you find out, you know, later in the movie. Um but she and he and they still get their happy ending in a, in a very unconventional way. So that's my first pick. True. Okay. That's a good one. My Thank first you. one is uh, Han Solo from Return of the Jedi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I liked it because it, it, it's a twist because it's not a girl this time. Uh, not that they didn't do that because Princess Leia was the damsel in distress in the first film but uh Uh, yeah that was on my list (laughs) okay well yeah han was uh frozen in carbonite at the end of empire and given over to boba fett boba fett turns him into jabba the hutt and then for some reason kind of hangs around for a while 
And uh, what I like is that Luke and Lando and Chewie and Leia plan this elaborate rescue operation and then they fail miserably and they all get captured. <laughs> but, but Luke had a plan B. Um, I always find that, that that first part of Jedi really entertaining. I think it's funny and I can see how exciting that would be if it's the first time that you saw it. I mean, when R2 launches that lightsaber and Luke grabs it, you know, that's, that's one of the best moments in film right there. You know, I love it. <laughs> uh, I also like that Leia is, it, she's still kind of a damsel in distress in this film because she did, she is chained up, you know, in the golden mm-hmm. bikini and everything, but she rescues herself, <laughs> you know, she mm-hmm. wraps that chain around Jabba's, around his neck. Does he have a neck? And she she chokes him. His somehow. neck area. Yeah, <laughs> and she chokes him. She chokes him out with the chain. So so that's pretty cool. Okay, Virginia, what's your next one? Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Leia from Star Wars, okay. but from the first one where she um, you know, her ship gets boarded and everything. So Han and Luke try to try attempt to rescue her which doesn't go as planned. But um, she's also just one of those sort of like really awesome women who just doesn't, they're, you know, they're not going to go quietly, like just put up a fight and try to even help the rescue effort and stuff. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Into the shoot fly boy. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Okay. John, what was your next one? Um, I, looking back now, it I seems like I had a theme running, but um, <laughs> uh, Disney's Rapunzel from the Tangled movie, um, she, again, same kind of thing. She kind of alternates between um, being rescued and, and, and rescuing herself. Um and she never, she's never, she's never helpless. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, she's a lot of times the princess is just a prize because she's the princess. But in 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 this, she's like her her she has magical power that everybody wants, or that some people want. So she's the prize for being the princess, and she also is the prize because she is this this thing. That that is of value to the evil queen. Yeah. Um, and so she, you know, like, it, yeah, it's another case where okay, she's locked alone in the tower for, you know, a good portion of her life, but instead of just kind of wasting away up there, she <laughs> she teaches herself, you know, how to paint and sew and sword fight and I think she knows different languages or whatever and she like she again it's another thing where she could have escaped before she just kind of didn't have a reason to mm-hmm. um, yeah. and so it's it's uh, it's another situation where um, you know sisters are doing it for themselves yeah yeah <laughs> 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 all right uh, my next one is uh, Maid Marian from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Uh, that this is like one of the best bad movies 
that there isn't. You know, and I think it's mostly because of Alan Rickman. <laughs> I think if Alan Rickman hadn't been in this movie, it would not have been uh, good at all. But uh, he it played the sheriff. It would just be regular bad, not yeah, good bad. Right. <laughs> uh, he plays the sheriff of Nottingham, and he kidnaps May Marion. And his plans are he's going to impregnate her and then kill uh, Robin Hood's men. And um, Robin infiltrates the castle. <laughs> really? That was a... that. Yeah, that was the plan. He was gonna. He was. Gonna, he wanted to get her pregnant. You know. And uh, wow. he. I've been uh, a long time. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> he infiltrates the castle and he that. he rescues her. But what I like about the scene, um, okay, so what's happening to Maid Marian is horrible. But this is. How do I say this? You see, you see bad guys kidnap women in like cartoons and stuff, and they kidnap them only because they want to tie them to the railroad tracks for no reason at all, you know. Mm-hmm. And this, you see, <laughs> you see that he's oh he's going to do something very unsavory to her, <laughs> you know. So you see that he has a reason for kidnapping her, you know, and it's not just just oh I'm going to get you, I'm going to steal your girl, you know. So, uh, so it was, and watching that, it, I think I was like 13 or something. I was like, Ooh, Ooh, he's going to do bad stuff. <laughs> you know? But, uh, you know, the older you get, you start to realize that, you know, there's a reason why he chose to kidnap her and it's not a very nice reason. And I think that, uh, seeing the hero rescue her from that kind of fate is very satisfying. So, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's your next one there, Virginia? Um, well, this person isn't a, a damsel for the whole movie, but I thought Kevin, the ditzy secretary from Ghostbusters. Yeah. <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah. Because that's exactly the type of person you would expect to be doing the rescuing. And no, he's just, he, <laughs> he's just in an unfortunate situation and it's up to other people to rescue him, which is, quite an undertaking. So I, I thought it was kind of funny that it just sort of turned it around. Yeah. Can, do you, can I bring my, can I bring my cat to work? Your cat? No, it's a, it's a dog. His name is Mike cat. <laughs> I still, I still do this thing when uh, we were in the, in a, a pet store around Christmas because my daughter was going to buy a, a fish for my son for Christmas. And of course we were in the aquarium department and I looked and I said, Hey, you know, aquariums are submarines for fish. (laughs) I just told my boyfriend that yesterday. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. That That was, that was funny. That's a great underappreciated movie. I I I agree. I could be wrong, but I think like that whole, like his, his whole interview was improv. Yeah. I think he, he, he did. Oh really? Most of it. Yeah. I think, I think, I think he, I think he, Yeah. I think he came up with all all that on his own, but most of that, not all of it. Okay, what's your what's your next one, John? Uh, This is this is my last one of uh, damsels in distress. Is a Jasmine from Aladdin. Um, Mm. again, a strong woman, but can't can't quite escape the patriarchy. Yeah. So, so she's just kind of and. You know, so between her dad and the vizier, and unfortunately Aladdin, um, you know, all all of these decisions about her life are being made um, around her or 
you know, in spite of her um, until the very end. And at various points, she's, you know, or later in the movie, she becomes an actual damsel in distress because, you know, mm. evil wizard. Mm-hmm. Um, but before that, she, she's, she's always got, <laughs> just kind of the general distress of uh, oppression. <laughs> <laughs> um, which is, which is, you know, significantly lightened by the end of the movie. Uh, I always wanted to see, like, just my my own little head cannon. You know, what if Jasmine had gotten the lamp? Yeah, you know, what, Ooh, that would be interesting. I want. I'm, I'm sure that that fanfic is out there somewhere, but like, you know, I mean, it'd be easy enough. Like, she just found it in his hat or whatever. And she rubs it accidentally. And it's not like Aladdin's going to take it back from her. It, yeah. Anyway, Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, my last one is Gwen Stacy from The Amazing Spider-Man. It's going to be an unpo- unpopular pick because uh, this is... I like this one because it's an example of using the trope, but the hero fails to save her. Um, spoiler alert for The Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> From a few years ago, uh, that's something that you don't every, see a whole every lot. Spider Man. <laughs> yeah, well, nobody necessarily wants to go see a movie where the hero doesn't win, which is one of the mm-hmm. many reasons why this iteration of Spider Man didn't go any further after this film. But uh, I like that they had the guts to try it because uh, so Electro kidnaps Gwen Stacy, who is Spider Man's girlfriend before he met Mary Jane, and. Uh, he drops her off of a building or a bridge or something like that. And, of course, Spidey jumps and he's diving to catch her. And he slings a web and grabs her. But he's a little bit too late. She makes contact with the ground and she's killed like instantly. And it's something that we knew was going to eventually have to happen because it happened in the comic book. And she's one of the very few characters in comics that has always stayed dead. She, she doesn't come back. So... uh <laughs> So that's a, it's a famous death in the comics. So I knew that they were eventually going to do it in the film. It's just when it happened, I was like, oh, yeah, he didn't make it. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I, I like that as being an, an example of, you know, the hero didn't win that time. He beat the bad guy. Mm-hmm. He beat the bad guy, but the bad guy beat him wow. also. So I don't know how I feel about that, Sean. I can't tell you. <laughs> 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 I, was, I respect your choice, but... I don't know, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. After these messages, we'll be back. Hey, you listener. Do I have everybody's attention now? Do you like professional wrestling? What? If so, you'll love Review Mania, where Rob and Zach break down every WrestleMania. You'll hear about great epic matches by the likes of Hulk Hogan. And what's it gonna do when Hulkamania and the largest arms in the world run wild on you? Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh yeah! Ric Flair. Just stealing! Woo! Wheeling dealing! Limousine right! Jet flying! Son of a gun! Bret Hart. The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be! Shawn Michaels. Bret Hart, you are a zero! My hero, John Cena. The champ is here! Brock Lesnar, Suplex City, bitch. And so many more that I don't have time to even name. Check out Review Mania right here on CosmicPotato.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, 
Spreaker. It's a happening right here on CosmicPotato.com. Arriba! Hey everybody, I'm Troy. And I'm AJ. And we're the hosts of the World War G podcast. And we know Sean and John do great things, but if you need just that little bit more nerd in your life, a little bit more geek in your week, then head on over to worldwarg.podbean.com where we talk about everything from movies and television, comic books and video games. Check us out at worldwarg.podbean.com. Back to you, Sean. <laughs> I don't believe it. That- Nah, uh, uh. Don't touch me. Hey, Ray. Hey, Sugar. Tell them who we are. Well, we're big rock singers. We got golden fingers. And we're loved everywhere we go. That sounds like us. We sing about beauty and we sing about truth. At $10,000 a show. Right. We take all kind of pills to give us all kind of thrills. But the thrill we never know. It's the thrill that'll get you when you get your picture on the cover of the Rolling Stone. Rolling Stone. Wanna see my picture on the cover? Stone. Wanna buy five copies for my mother? Yeah. Wanna see my smiling face on the cover of the Rolling Stone? Uh, okay, so the next the next uh, round is uh, trope number. Oh, wait, two. Did, oh, Virginia, do you have any more? Did you have any more? Virginia? Oh no, okay. I don't have any more. Okay. Uh, the best portrayal of a character with a disability. Um, so Virginia, you can start that off for us. Okay. Um, well, one of my favorites is a classic movie from 1946. It's called The Best Years of Our Lives. And there's a couple of reasons that I like it. Um, it's If you haven't seen it, because it is kind of an old movie, um, it's set in post-World War II, you know, white suburban America. And it's about these three veterans that come back after having served, I think, in the European theater, but I'm not 100% sure on that. Anyway, um, one of them is... you learn later in the movie is suffering from their equivalent of PTSD, whatever it was called then. Mm-hmm. Sure, and sure. one of them, um, in the movie, I think he, he was on a ship and something exploded and both of his arms needed to be amputated. The person that plays that actor is actually a lot of times what happens in disability portrayals is that an able-bodied person will play a disabled actor which a lot of disabled people have a problem with, understandably. Mm-hmm. Um, so this was an actual disabled person playing a disabled character. And a lot of the ways that he portrayed it, there are good and bad ways about the way that he portrayed it, because there are times where he's like um, um, sh- showing you know, the struggles with kind of learning how to you know, turn doorknobs again when you have uh, hooks at the end of you know, your... Uh, residual limbs right um but some of the ways i didn't like it was some of the things were really oversimplified like they don't let you leave the hospital until you can dress yourself and like one of the scenes is where he takes off his prosthetics and it's like oh look i'm helpless as a as a baby when really that wouldn't have been the case but 
Yeah. It's obviously going for the dramatic effect, which is, you know, it was 1940s Hollywood. Of course, they're going for the dramatic effect. <laughs> but um, I think they did really well. I don't remember the PTSD character as well, but I think they did pretty well in showing, like, how he coped. Um, like, a lot of soldiers coped uh, with alcohol and, like, how that affected his family. So if you can believe it, it actually has a happy ending. Um, but one other piece of trivia that I, I, I know a lot about this because I had to research it at one point, Mm -hmm. but, um, the guy that played the, um, Homer Parrish was the double amputee. The guy who played him, Harold Russell is the only, um, the only person to have been nominated and won two, two Academy Awards for the same role in the same movie. Like... He won Best Supporting Actor and then Best, um, it was an honorary Oscar for, like, providing hope to the troops or something like oh. that. Oh, that's awesome. So, so I would I would recommend it. Um, I find it really interesting. Like I said, some of it is pretty good. Some of it is not so great. But you kind of have to take it as a product of the era. Yeah, that's one thing that uh, I've been watching more classic movies lately because I'm doing this other series where we're watching a lot of old movies and stuff. And when you watch an old movie now, if there's something in it that you didn't know or that you don't understand, you can go to Wikipedia or something and you can read about it. Like we watched, right. some, we watched a movie a while back, uh, that was a biopic and I could go online and I could read the differences in this movie from what actually happened. Back then, they didn't have mm-hmm. all that. They just they just had whatever the filmmaker showed them is what they had to go by. So if there was a disability in a film like that, a lot of people that didn't know about that disability only have what the director tells them about it to go by. You know, so mm-hmm. so I, I can understand where it would be it would be frustrating watching it now to see them portray a disability in a, in a way that you know is not the way it would really be because you know that if right. they were watching it back then, they just assume that it is, you know? Mm-hmm. Right, okay, John, go ahead. Uh, what's eating Gilbert grape? I don't uh, know. 1990. Oh, was it? <laughs> I thought you were setting up a joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, when I set up a joke, you'll know. it. That's not true. I thought you were both <laughs> setting up a joke. <laughs> no, it's a film. Yeah, from 1993, <laughs> starring uh, Johnny Depp, Juliette Lewis, and uh, Leo DiCaprio. So this actually, there's a couple of uh, characters with disabilities. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio it plays a uh, an autistic. Um, I think he's a teenager, and um, he's brothers with um, Johnny Depp in the film, the titular Gilbert Grape. And their mom is morbidly obese. Um, and she's played by Darlene Cates. And, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, so it takes place in this small town. And uh, Gilbert Grape is, is kind of um, the glue that's kind of holding this um, loving but highly dysfunctional family together. And... Um, I just I, I just remember when I saw it, I, I, I remember being really impressed at how real all the characters seemed. 
You know, I didn't know anyone who was morbidly obese. I didn't know anyone who was autistic that I knew of. Um, but I'd certainly seen those uh, uh, people portrayed before on TV and film, but this is the first time it, it, it seemed real and not, um, you know, like you said, not going for the for the for the dramatic, not going for the mm-hmm. for the shock, or not going for the for the joke. You know, so that that's that's why this is on my list. It, it's it's you know I initially thought of it for um, for uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character, but as you know, the, two seconds later I realized that the mom, you know, yeah. was you know every bit as um, powerful a character. Um, I don't think I've ever seen it. I, I I know of it. I know what it's about and everything. It's one of those films that you've heard of, I think you would times, like, but I've never actually sat down and watched like it. it so. Yeah, I need to check that out. Movie. All right, my first one on this round is uh, Finding Nemo. This is one oh. that immediately oh, comes. Yeah, yeah, it immediately came to mind uh, when we we're talking about this because uh, Nemo is born with one fan that's a lot smaller than the other one, and it's it's funny you can't see me, but when I said that, I started flapping my arm around. But lucky fan, yeah, and uh, as a result. Uh, he has an overprotective parent that thinks that he needs to be taken care of over every detail of his life. And of course, two arguments can be made about this. Did Nemo get lost because his dad was overprotective and the first taste of freedom that he had just went too far? He went too far? Or mm-hmm. was his father right the whole time and he, <laughs> and he did need to be taken care of? I think it was. His father probably- was right. <laughs> so it may be a little bit of both but uh nemo you know he shows in the end that he's capable of doing just about every anything that anybody else can do uh and then you've got dory she has a disability as well you know she's got that short-term memory mm. loss and uh which in the first film is really played up for laughs a lot but in the sequel mm-hmm. it takes a bigger part of the film and uh it's, it's kind of revealed to be that that disability is the reason why she was separated yeah. from her parents and she didn't remember them. And, it was yeah. kind of heartbreaking. Where, yeah, it was heartbreaking. Oh. So, oh I you... never saw the sequel. But... Oh, yeah, I just spoiled it for Netflix. you. Well, yeah. It's on Netflix. Finding well, Dory. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. in the, it's in the beginning part. Like, you know. Yeah, they I show think. they show her as a little fish and, she's, and she gets separated from her parents. And... I said, well, I feel like y'all might have... Um, heard my awe is like i'm sad but i'm like oh that's cute little fishy with the parents yeah. sorry <laughs> <laughs> yeah i liked i liked the sequel i thought that it was it kind of uh it was kind of a greatest hits i guess because a lot of the things that happened in uh finding nemo they kind of hit those same marks but there were a couple of standout scenes and the fact that what's happening with dory's uh, memory loss is a big factor in the story, and it it, it is heartbreaking, though. I liked it. Uh, okay, Virginia, what's your next one? Well, I was going to say, um, technically, oh. sorry, you could also include um, Marlon in that, too, because like, he's like, really, really neurotic. Yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah he should yeah. probably... He should be medicated. <laughs> Fish medication, yes. <laughs> okay. All right, Virginia, go ahead. Um, the next one I picked was um, an episode of Deep Space Nine in the second season called Melora. And this is the episode where the um, 
the woman comes on to Deep Space Nine. She's from a planet that has lower gravity oh, than yeah, yeah, yeah. the and uh, then the space station or other planets. So when she's on Deep Space Nine, she has to use a wheelchair um, to get around and be able to function in the higher gravity. And again, there's a couple of things I like and don't like, but um, I like that it illustrates. Like a lot of people think that disability is just like a medical issue, but a lot of times it has to do with the environment and like the social issue that um, exacerbates like the disability. So, um, you know, she wouldn't be disabled if, you know, if they turn the grab like in her room, she's not disabled in her room because they altered the gravity. So she's able to function as a quote, normal whatever her I can't remember what alien she is right now yeah but um but it it just shows I think the environmental aspect of like what people need to consider in in disability like one thing I I saw this episode the other day one thing I that really stuck out to me was that she had requested the wheelchair to be built to specifics they improved it I say that like with air quotes because they thought it would be better but for her she needed what she had ordered because that's what she had practiced with so right. even though the able-bodied people <clears throat> thought they were helping they were really um, you know hurting her abilities to actually navigate the station yeah I like that episode because I mean because if you really think about it she she doesn't she's confined to a wheelchair but she's not really disabled because when she's at home, she's fine, you know. But like you said, it's it's an environment issue. It's almost like a person. There's 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 people that live in Florida that have really bad arthritis, and they move mm-hmm. to the desert, and they're almost fine. You know, their arthritis gets a lot better because they're mm-hmm. in a they're in a drier climate. You know, and and, and mm-hmm. things like that. So yeah, I like that. I like that. Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting choice. That was a good choice. Okay, go ahead, John. Uh, excuse me. Um, I'm going to say, I don't know. Um, this is this is one of those shows that you hear me talk about a lot. Uh, the Magicians on Sci-Fi, uh, on Sci-Fi Channel. They actually just wrapped their um, third season. Their finale was on Wednesday, but one of the characters is Marley Matlin, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, who is mm-hmm. who is deaf. And excuse me, she she plays a magic using person, um, and she's kind of mysterious. Um, I think she's introduced in season one, maybe even. Um, but it's just a few weeks ago they kind of show her backstory, and they. Sh- do, it's it's probably a you know, ten minute sequence, um, like from her as a child to her, you know, at that point in the story, and the whole thing is done not quite without sound, but as a as a hearing impaired person would hear it. So like she like you don't hear any voices, you don't hear anyone speaking, but things that. Hmm that make vibrations. Mm-hmm. That's there's interesting. Like a, it's a really subtle sound. It, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was great. It was great. Um, 
No, and her her as a character, it was it was, it was you know she's a good. I mean, she's an amazing actress. She's great in everything. Uh-huh. Uh, but her her character too is is she, she's basically there's this um um this uh organization called the library that keeps a lot of magic away from people you know as 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 they consider themselves the guardians and she's all about like she's basically wikileaks <laughs> <laughs> She's like she's like magic for you. Like she, so she 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 kind of smells that information as she can, and because um, she feels like it sh- should be available, everything should be available to everyone, and or or rather, not necessarily everything should be available to everyone, but it's the the library doesn't have the right to keep it, right? Um, mm-hmm. so I can't really go into her arc without giving away spoilers, but it's it's really really good. Um, so, you know, once again, I will encourage, um, all of our listeners to watch the magicians. I think the first, the first two seasons are on Netflix now. And, um, like I said, they just finished season three. So if you have like the sci-fi channel app, probably watch all of those there too. She was on a show, um, that my wife liked. It was one of these ABC family type shows and it was called switched at birth. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. She was one of the main characters oh, yeah. on that, and uh, and she, yeah, she was she was good on that. She was good on that, and uh, yeah, she's been around for a long time, and 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 is is still able to to act almost as much as anyone else, you know. Even though in most of the things that she's that she's in, she you know she's not vocal and she uses sign language a lot. I like to switch to birth because a lot of that show is in sign language. Um, yeah, I used to complain about it when my wife would watch it because it's one of those shows that you can't watch and be on your phone at the same time because if you're not looking at the screen, you don't know what they're saying because they're in sign language. You have to read the subtitles and stuff. But they did one episode that uh, I thought was an interesting choice for them to do because the entire episode was um, sign language, like in that, like uh, no one's no one spoke at all in, during the entire episode. So um, yeah. Okay, my next one is The Fundamentals of Caring, which is a Netflix original that came out a couple of years ago. It's got Paul Rudd, uh, Craig Roberts, and Selena Gomez in it. And it kind of reminds me of the TV show Speechless. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Um, I know of it. I haven't, I've never seen it. Well, Paul Rudd plays a retired writer, and he takes this course... He Basically, he needs a job. So he takes this course. It's like a six-week course in how to be a caregiver. And uh, and then he finds a job taking care of a teenage boy that has a form of muscular dystrophy. And the kid's, the kid's name is Trevor. Trevor is fascinated with roadside attractions. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they talk his mom into letting Paul Rudd's character, which I, I didn't write down what his character's name was, but uh, he takes him on a trip to go see one of the one of the roadside attractions that's kind of close to where they live. I really like this movie. Paul Rudd is really good at being a sarcastic everyman and just, you know, that type of character in just about everything that he's in. He has this relationship with this kid where he you can tell that he really cares about him and cares about what happens to him and it, but at the same time he treats him like an equal. He doesn't talk down to him. You know, uh, he has muscular dystrophy which means that his disability is all physical. There's nothing wrong with his mind. You know, and yet you see all the time people 
uh, uh, talk down to those people like they don't understand what they're saying. There's nothing, nothing wrong with my mind, you know. <laughs> I can hear you just fine, you know. Um, they meet up with a hitchhiker who is uh, Selena Gomez, and uh, Trevor kind of gets a crush on her. She's the she's the smoking and and cursing character, which is kind of jarring for a dad that used to watch Wizards of Waverly Place with his kids. Because the whole time, I, every time she was on the screen and she was <laughs> oh talking, I was like, I was like, Selena, you poopy mouth, <laughs> you you poopy mouth. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's called The Fundamentals oh of Caring, God. and it's on Netflix. It's a great movie. Okay, go ahead, Virginia. What's your next one? Um. Well, my next one is not. It's. It's just, it sort of holds a special place in my heart is um, just overall Jordy from the next generation. Yeah. Because, I mean, that's obvious. That's really obvious. But the reason I picked that one. (laughs) (laughs) The reason I picked that one is because when um, I was born in 81, so about when I was six or seven was when the next generation was starting. Well, I started wearing glasses when I was like four. So for me, in my Coke bottle glasses with the plastic frames, <laughs> seeing this man on the TV with future glasses yeah. was just fascinating to me. And I was, Mommy, I want to watch the show with the future glasses. <laughs> so this isn't really necessarily if it's a good portrayal or a bad portrayal. It's just like an emotional portrayal for me, and I love it. I had a cousin. I have a uh, a cousin who is a female, and she's about maybe two years older than me. And whenever we would go over to their house for Thanksgiving or Christmas or whatever, I would go into one, I would go into her bedroom and get one of her hair barrettes and put it over my eyes and just walk, <laughs> and just walk around. Yes. Like that. The banana clips, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> okay, John, go ahead. I'm not saying uh, I haven't done that, but I've totally done that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We all have. <laughs> I think, I think we all have. So my my Jordy glasses were pink. I'm not um, <laughs> I'm not saying that I haven't done that in the last six months at the store, but I probably. <laughs> uh, my wife loves it when I do that. By the way, I'm, I'm sure. sure. <laughs> <laughs> Should go to move. Um, uh, 1998 film, A Beautiful Mind. Starring Russell Crowe yeah. as uh, John Forbes Nash, um, who um, is a brilliant mathematician, but he's also a schizophrenic. And uh, I mean, it's it's a good movie for you know, all the reasons you would expect it to be. But what kind of stood out to me from this one was, um, like a lot of films. Um, especially with people with, with mental illness or, uh, you know, it's kind of like they, they overcome the challenge or whatever. And then, you know, then not that life's all roses, but you know, like you're okay. They're going to be okay. You know, they, they, you know, like the miracle worker, she's oh, okay. Now she's figured out how to communicate or, 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 oh, okay. Now he's learned how to use his left foot or, you know, whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever. But uh, in this one, he's like, "Yeah, no, I'm still seeing them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, these 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 people are still, yeah, 
30 years later, they're 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 right there. They're right, they're right there. Right, yeah, they're right next to me right now. I just gotta ignore them. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I just yeah, I mind. just learned to live with them or whatever. Yeah, yeah. They just they they never went away. Like you no know, whatever. My medication is like yeah. It's and, and it's it, it was his it is his sheer. And it, it, I liked it because it it's his sheer willpower that you know allows him to 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 live his life to live a full life the way that he does and it also you know ironically conversely you know all of those people who think that mental illness oh it's just in your head or you know you just need to <laughs> you just need to exercise more or you know you need to make a friend uh-huh. or you know all, all, all of the you know the bullshit that like if you just you know you can just talk yourself out of mental illness. Like, no, it's still there. He just, he, mm-hmm. he lives his life in spite of it, but it didn't, you know, it's not, he didn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I, 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 that's, that's why that's not my list. I, I liked that aspect of it. Yeah. Yeah. There was a, there was a, I remember seeing a woman on, I want to say it was Oprah or something like that when I was a kid and she had multiple personalities. She had like 90 something personalities that lived inside of her and sometimes they would take over and that kind of thing. And uh, I remember them doing like a where are they now type segment later on. And they went back and visited her again. And by this point, it was like 10, 15 years later. And she was she's like an old lady. And they asked her about it. And say, oh, yeah, they talk to me all the time, you know, but they don't take over anymore. You know, they just I, I'm, right. in, I'm in therapy and stuff and I'm on medication. They still talk to me, but, you know, they don't they don't take over my life anymore. So I could tell them though. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. So, okay. Uh, my next one is the King's speech, which is, uh, I guess this is my Oscar bait pick from a few years ago. It, I, I enjoyed <laughs> this movie. It was, mine. it was, uh, Colin Firth played, uh, King mm-hmm. George the sixth, even though the movie kind of starts before he was the King. I'm not an expert on the Royal lineage, but uh, his bro- his brother was the king for like a year or a, or two years or something like that, and he abdicated the throne because he wanted to marry a woman who had been divorced, and that's a big no no for the king. So he had to basically say, "I don't want to be king anymore," and had to give the crown to his brother. And so George became king, and um, but he had a really bad uh, stammer, like a like a stutter. And as king, he was going to have to make speeches on the radio because, you know, England was it was in the middle of the war and all that. And so they hired a man to help him get rid of his stutter. And that man was, the, the man's name was Lionel Logue. And this is all based on actual events. But he's played by Jeffrey Rush, who most people recognize as playing Barbosa in the Pirates all of the right. Caribbean movies. And uh, I watched this movie because I really enjoy like historical stuff that has to do with the royal family, uh, all the pomp and circumstance type stuff. I watched the, the, that show, The Crown, that comes on uh, Netflix. And uh, I think that whole thing is very interesting. And I like this movie. I thought that Firth and Rush... Uh, oh, man, Firth and Rush would make a great band. That's a cool band name. Anyway, <laughs> I think they, they played well off of each other. and uh, And it showed just how hard of a time that people that have a bad stutter really have. I have a slight stutter sometimes. I just did it, see? And uh, it's usually when I'm nervous or when I'm trying to say something, but my mind is thinking about something else at the same time. 
and it can be frustrating, you know. So I, I can imagine someone that has a stutter that's really debilitating. They can't get the words out of their mouth that they want to say, you know. I can that that seems and, like it'd be has, really frustrating. It has to speak like it's it's part of, you know, but like they don't have the option of not making public speeches. Yeah, yeah, and they've got treatments for it now because uh, I saw I watched a documentary about stuttering a while back that I can't remember the name of, but. Basically, this guy uh, had a stutter like that. It was really, it was really bad. And the way that they treated him was that they put this device in his ear, and when he talked, he could hear the words that he was saying being played in his ear at the same time that he was saying them. And it was almost like he was talking with another person because, for some reason, some this isn't a hundred percent of the time, but. For some people that have a stutter like that, if they're saying something with someone, like if they're saying the Pledge of Allegiance or something like that, then the stutter just goes away. So there was this guy in the documentary, and he would stutter really bad, and then he would put this thing in his ear and turn it on, and his stutter would just disappear. But you know they didn't—they didn't have that back then, <laughs> you know. So uh, so you know this guy had to come come in and do all these lessons with him, and basically the movie ends with him giving this big radio speech. Uh, it's one of King George's famous radio speeches during the war, and uh, he was able to get through it without stuttering. You know, so it's pretty cool. I saw another thing where um, this guy had—he was actually he was like a voice actor, and I can't remember what the disease was, but you know, all of a sudden this—you know—he gets this um, this malady that causes him to stutter, and like the only thing that kind of worked was weed yeah and i've heard that too and it's yeah and it showed like him trying to read the script before and then it's like he has a, he has a spoke and like 20 minutes later and he, he sounds like a voice actor again and, mm-hmm. but like you know this was i don't know maybe f- five seven years ago so like it wasn't it, it, was, it was still like in the height of the should we start allowing we to be legal controversy? Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And a lot of people that have uh, issues like that, that are finding uh, that that treatment works for them are having to move to other places in the country so that they can, you know, be, be medicated. So, yeah. Mm. Um, okay. So Virginia, did you have any more for that list? I did not. Okay. John, did you have any more? Um, I've got the uh, blind ninja from Rogue One. That's an honorable mention. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name. But, yeah, but he was awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't so much uh, <laughs> his, his disability didn't seem to disable him much, you know, because he had the force. Yeah, he's one the force. force yeah, with the force is with me, and I'm one with the force. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so the the last category is the best use of a song that you like in a film. Go ahead, Virginia. What, what's one of yours? Um, well, I know a lot of people didn't like this one, um, but I really liked um, Sabotage and Beyond. Yeah, oh, yeah that's, that's on my list. That's a really good choice. <laughs> yeah. um, I like that it called back to the 2009 movie, and I also like just the effects that, like, when it hit the the uh, force field <laughs> yeah. of the of the city yeah. or whatever, that was just like I was all into it. I was a hundred percent into it. I can't believe I didn't think of that. Yeah. That yeah. Was, that was a, 
Yeah, that was a perfect use of that song. I put it on my list because there was a story that came out just this week that I read. Uh, Simon Pegg did an interview, and he said one of the things that he said in this interview was that he was really ticked off because he was one of the writers on that film. He was ticked off because that whole sequence was supposed to be a surprise for the audience, you know, and and, and then they went and put it in the trailer. <laughs> See? Uh. So he did, he did not <laughs> like that at all, which he's right. I mean, if they if they had not put that in the trailer um, and I didn't know that it was coming, it would have been great. It would have been really good. I, did, I didn't know that it was coming. It was it was a total surprise to me, which I know. Yeah, they, totally they, had, they had used it. They had used it once before, so I was just like, okay, so that's Captain Kirk's favorite song in the whole world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they, do you guys do you guys remember the uh, the video to that song when it came out in the nineties? Sure. Where it was like a, I it, do not. It was like they filmed it like it was an old cop show, and they yeah, had like they had 70s, these big seventies mustaches and stuff, and the and the sunglasses on it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And they were like putting the credits up <laughs> like it was the opening sequence of a TV show. It was pretty cool. Yeah. All still right. worth it. John, what's it what's one of yours? Um <clears throat> I was never a huge fan of this song, and I was never a huge fan of these films, but at the end of uh Fast and Furious Seven, mm-hmm. where uh Wiz Khalifa's See You Again plays. This is after Paul Walker had died. Oh, yeah. And, um, you know, basically he didn't die in the film. Basically they, they wrote out, he, he basically, he, he leaves the group to to be with his family. But they start playing that song. And, you know, it, it's there, there's a little bit of like kind of CGI fakery, and I think his brother like kind of had to stand in for part of it. Basically, he, the like the crew, like uh, Vin Diesel and crew, Vin Diesel goes one way in his car, and and uh, Paul Walker goes the other way, mm-hmm. and then they do a little montage of of him from the past uh, from the past six films, and it just it got me. Mm-hmm. Like I. I if if you had ever, had ever told me that I would be crying <laughs> at a Fast and the Furious, <laughs> uh, you know, called you a damn liar. But yeah. no, it, it 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 got me. It, like the whole thing, like it it was a, it was again perfect use of of that song, and it was and it was like because he because he didn't die in the film, but they you know it was. It was a really moving. It was a big tribute. story like, that yeah, it was a big story that came out that year that he had died. So they, yeah, it was obvious why they yeah. why they were using it. That song's a yeah. that song's a tearjerker anyway because I mean anytime you hear it on the radio, it's gonna make you think of somebody that you've lost, you know. And uh, and I know it came out. I think it came out the same year that my mom died. So it just kept coming yeah. on the radio. I was like, change the station, change it. <laughs> mm. So. All right. Uh, my one of mine is uh, from the movie Yes Man. Um, the song "Jumper" from Third Eye Blind they used it in that film, and uh, Yes Man is not a very good film. <laughs> Jim Carrey was trying to play <laughs> off the the formula. That he, he had success with this formula when he did Liar Liar a few years before that. But there's one scene in particular where. Uh, I'm trying to remember the plot. He can't say no to anybody. In that yeah, he goes is. to he goes to the, the like the seminar, and this guru type guy is telling him that his life would be changed if he would just go through life 
and not say no to anything. Anybody, anytime someone asks him anything, the answer is yes. You know, so he decides he's going to start saying yes to everything. And uh, and in this, which actually nobody ever asked him to do this, but because I watched, <laughs> I watched I watched the scene today. I pulled it up on YouTube, and um, he gets he comes up to this apartment complex, and there's this guy standing on a ledge about three four stories up. And he asked, what's that guy doing? You know, and one of the people behind him says, someone should do something. They didn't say, hey, you need to do something. You know, they just said, someone should do something. So he goes up there and he goes in and he tries to talk the guy out. And of course, he won't come out. So he goes in and gets a guitar and he starts singing the song. You know, he's like, I wish you would step back from that. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, uh, oh, it, my goodness. It's a funny scene because he's uh, he sings it. And when he gets to the chorus and, and everything, then all the people down on the street that are watching say we could put the past away <laughs> you know that kind of thing <laughs> so it's funny i mean it, it's cute and jim carrey is playing it up and, and and singing it and everything so uh that's really the only thing that i remember about that movie except that there was <laughs> there was like this weird sex scene with an old lady that's kind of strange <laughs> but, but he uh, should have said no yeah 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 well he did that's the thing and, and there's a scene where he uh uh, uh he goes home and there's this, he lives in an apartment, and there's this lady that lives upstairs that he goes and like helps her take in her groceries and stuff like that. It's this little old lady, and she basically propositions him while he's in there. And he says, no, 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 because she's like 70-something years old. And uh, when he leaves her apartment, he falls down the stairs and like gets banged up really bad so he thinks it's like karma oh you're supposed to be saying so he goes back and he says yes and it's oh (laughs) it's bad anyway okay virginia what's your next one um i like well i wrote down back to the future because like in time travel movies i like songs that establish where we are you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. like if we were hearing I think it was Huey Lewis, right? right? We knew we were in the 80s. And then if we heard Mr. Sandman, we know we're in the 50s. Right. Yeah. So, right, right. yeah. So that that's not really a specific song, but like both of those. I like how time travel movies in general establish that. Yeah, because we do that with music, you know. And if you hear a song that you used to listen to when you were a kid, it's going to make you remember being a kid and listening to that song or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, like Forrest Gump does that really well too, I yeah. think, because you kind of you kind of know yeah. exactly where you are. Yeah. Just based on what you're hearing. Yeah, establishes the time period. That's right. Yep. Okay, John, what you got? Um, Clockwork Orange, singing in the rain. <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah, it's it's not. I'm not saying it was a good thing. <laughs> I'm saying that it is a use of a song that I was familiar with uh, that like now I can't hear that. Well, I'm not going to say I can't hear it, but pretty much, you know, if I hear any, if I hear that song for too long, it it will, my mind will go to that. It was so memorable. For those of you who have not seen A Clockwork Orange, uh, that song is... I can't remember if it's actually playing or if they're just singing. I think they're just singing it. Yeah, he's singing. But he's basically, singing, yeah. A, yeah, a group of thugs led by um, Malcolm McDowell um, break into a home, a family's home, and just brutalize them. And 
do it with such glee that he sings singing in the rain as he does it. Um, so Kubrick kind of ruined that song. For me. <laughs> yeah. Cause whenever I hear it, you know, I'll, I'll start to do the little uh, dance where he's hanging off of the, the light pole, you know, from the movie yeah. singing in the rain. That's the good one. And then immediately yes. I'll act like I'm kicking something. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. the bad one. Yeah. They're, they're, they're forever fused. Right. Okay. All right. This one is, uh, this is actually two, but they're from the same movie. Uh, Almost Famous. Uh, it was a film that was directed by, who was it directed by? Cameron Crowe. Yeah, Cameron Crowe. Why did I want to say Russell Crowe? Oh, does that Crow? have Kate Hudson in it? Yes, yes. And uh, I've actually never seen that film. Oh, really? Oh, it's a it's a great movie. It's uh, I, I, I'm I sort of heard. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and it had two instances of that, and probably had more because I mean the movie was about a rock band, so there's a lot of music in it. But one is a cover of the Rolling Stone, which is a song by Doctor Hook in the Medicine Show, and the whole movie is about a kid who's writing an article about this band for Rolling Stone. So they find out that they're going to be on the cover of the magazine, and so they start singing the song. And I'm not going to start. I'm not going to sing it for you, but <laughs> wait. So what's what's the song? The cover of the Rolling Stones. You know, the big rock singers. We got gold and thing. You, you never heard that song before. Anyway, YouTube it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll play it as the uh, bed music coming back from break on this episode or something. But uh, and then the second one is uh, "Tiny Dancer" by Elton John. They sing that on the tour bus. My parents grew up in the sixties and seventies, so these songs I've been exposed to so many times in my life. My dad's car radio. Did not get changed off the classic rock station my entire childhood. So, <laughs> <laughs> okay, Virginia, you have you have any more? Well, I have I have one honorable mention that sort of goes off on a tangent um, because you said the most effective use of the song. I thought if the effect that they were going for was to make everyone in like a ten mile radius drool, pretty much the entire soundtrack of Magic Mike XXL. But <laughs> there's one that's particularly <laughs> hilarious in there where it's um, that guy that was also on um, True Blood that played a werewolf. I can't remember his name. Anyway, he dances oh. to a Backstreet Boys song in a convenience store and it hilarity ensues. And that's the only time I will listen to a Backstreet Boys song. It's hilarious. <laughs> So, yes, honorable mention to Magic Mike. <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead, John. Sorry for that tangent there. I know that's kind of <laughs> off topic. Oh, I, I feel it fits nicely. Um, if, I can, <laughs> if, if I can do a home invasion, you can certainly do a striptease. That came out wrong, but you know what I mean. Uh, let's do the Banana Boat song from Beetlejuice. <laughs> He did that a couple um, weeks ago. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I did. Uh, because it was so um, so comically perfect and completely unexpected. Like, it was, like there was there was no indication at all that anything like that was going to happen. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, again, it's another one of those things where anytime I hear that song, I think of that scene now. Yeah. Um, for for good or bad, I'm sure Harry Belafonte 
<laughs> uh, it's probably not what he had in mind, but <laughs> a legacy is a legacy. Well, he did sing it on the Muppet Show, so <laughs> it did. Yeah, but those were those were adorable creatures, not demon shrimp. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, the last Let's one. The last one I got on my Sorry. list is uh, from from uh, Wayne's World. This is uh, this is a movie yeah. that I've watched. Uh, yeah. uh, I've watched this movie probably uh, approximately one bajillion times. Um, I I had never heard Bohemian Rhapsody before I first watched this movie. I think I was like thirteen, <laughs> and every what? single time I hear it. Now, every single time that I hear it, I think of the scene with Wayne and Garth in the front seat jamming to it and whenever <laughs> it plays. And a couple of years ago, uh, they played part of the song in my daughter's uh, band show. So, Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so she became obsessed with it and had to listen to it every single time we got in the car. And she wanted to listen to different versions of it. She wanted to listen to Queen sing it. And then she wanted to listen to Pentatonix sing it. And this and that. And so we would listen. Every time we got in the car, we'd listen to the same song five times. And every time they would get to the rock part, I'd start headbanging. Dad, stop that. Sure. <laughs> you know? so, uh, That's her fault. She shouldn't have made you do it. You right. have to do it. That's right. yeah, I ha- yeah. You have to do it to keep from going insane from listening to the same song over and over and over. <laughs> Got to the point where we get in the car and I'm like, we're not listening to Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> okay. All right. You guys have any more? Uh, I do not. I uh, I guess, um, I don't know if this counts because the whole thing is, is kind of a musical, but in Fantasia, the, uh, the night on Bald Mountain where the big oh, de- demon one. guy comes up out of the... Uh, the top of the mountain again it's another I can't hear that song or hear that music rather without thinking of that scene so but it's not really a song and it's kind of a cheat because the whole thing is music so yeah well no it's not a cheat I mean if you like if you like the song you like the song (laughs) okay well I think that's uh, that's pretty much going to do it for us tonight Uh, I want to take a minute and tell you all where you can find us and contact us so the show is on iTunes, Stitcher, Podcast Addict on the Android Store, and SoundCloud. Make sure that wherever you get the show, you leave us a rating and a review so that we can help more people find it. And uh, five-star ratings are the best. If you want to contact us, you can find us on Facebook. We have a group there, so just kind of search for the show and you'll find us. Leave us some comments. Tell us some things you'd like to hear us talk about. Uh, we're also on Twitter. You can email us at mail at cosmicpotato.com. And you can leave us a voicemail or a text message by dialing area code 205-642-8380. And everything that I just told you is available at cockpotato.com, where you will also find the other shows on our network, including The Prime Direction, World War G, Review Amania, and there's another sh- show. John, what was the name of that other show that's on the network? Captain Game Show. There you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the, uh, a, a trivial wordplay improv extravaganza that I host. Alrighty. Uh, Virginia, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. And it'll definitely not be the last time we hear from you, I hope. I hope not either. John, Me too. pleasure as always, sir. Yeah, man. And okay. I, that's, thank you, everybody, for joining us. Be sure to join us 
next time on Cosmic Potato, the Super Fan Talk podcast, when you might hear John say, Passion. Um, I'm going to say, I don't know, um, this is, this is one of those shows that you hear me talk about a lot, uh, The Magicians on Sci-Fi, uh, on Sci-Fi Channel. Oh, wait, sorry. Yeah, dude, I've been having deja vu all day, and apparently it's just gotten a lot worse. This, <laughs> this is why I never like to record on Throwback Thursday. 